Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. We're going to meet Casey Cox, a peanut farmer, to learn about her journey on becoming a farmer and how she got involved in food allergy advocacy and research. Casey Cox is the sixth generation of her family to farm on the Flint River in South Georgia. Her family farm, Longleaf Ridge, produces sweet corn, peanuts, field corn, soybeans, and timber. Prior to returning to the farm full-time, Casey managed the Flint River Soil and Water Conservation District, serving as executive director for five years. In this role, she developed and directed multiple projects with federal, state, and private partners and was responsible for procuring and managing over $13.5 million of funding for conservation programs. She was appointed by Secretary Sonny Perdue in 2019 to serve as Georgia's alternative board member on the National Peanut Board. Casey holds a Bachelor of Science in Natural Resource Conservation from the University of Florida. Her most significant professional contribution to date was teaching Cookie Monster and Gonger where peanut butter comes from on Season 49 of Sesame Street. Welcome, Casey. I'm so excited to have you on the show with us today. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to speak with you today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am too. And you know what? I'm going to jump right in because you have had a really fascinating background. So can you share with our listeners how you became a peanut farmer? Sure. So I actually grew up on our family farm. We're here in Southwest Georgia, and I spent my entire childhood on the farm and in the woods, uh, but really had no intention of, of coming back to Southwest Georgia. I really, I went to a really small high school, graduated with 12 people in my high school class. So like most high school students, I had big, big dreams about moving far away and really not coming back to where I grew up. But while I was in college, I really changed my mind and started to, to really consider seriously moving back to Southwest Georgia and ultimately did decide to move back to the farm, which I share all the time. It was really the best decision I've ever made. I wasn't quite sure where to start uh, with, with a major, you know, like most college freshmen, I, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. I attended the University of Florida and there was a major there called Natural Resource Conservation, which was in the School of Forestry. And having a natural resource-based major really fostered that sense of stewardship and conservation that I had grown up with and made me realize that I really could apply those, those things I was learning and the skills I was acquiring in college to a career in, in Southwest Georgia and ultimately on the farm. It was really the perfect fit. Stewardship has been a core value to my family. My parents really instilled that value within me growing up. So it's such a good fit. And when I ultimately made the decision to move back home, my parents and I agreed that it would probably be a good idea for me to have a job off the farm first. I have been working at least part-time on the farm since I moved back about seven years ago, but they wanted me to have some experience working for someone else. And I was very fortunate to have a career with our local conservation district. And I worked there for about six and a half years. And it was 
such an incredibly positive experience. I feel like my background as in, in agriculture and as a farmer made me better at that job. And then I truly feel like the experiences I gained and, and everything I learned from that job will make me a better farmer. So, uh, and as you know, conservation is, is integral to any type of farm management. So it's been a, such a positive experience for me. And I'm actually the sixth generation of my family to farm. So I was just drawn home by a love for the land and our heritage and, and this really unique opportunity that I had to, to return home to a farm and to take over a business and, and a way of life that has sustained our family for multiple generations. Uh, our farm is also on the Flint River in Georgia, which is really, really special to me. So that love for the land and the river was, was a really big factor in, in my decision to come back home. So now you're working with your parents, but do you have siblings or other family members who are working on the farm? No, it's it's just me. <laughs> we have uh, so my dad and I lead uh, lead the farm, and then we have a, an incredibly smart farm manager who manages a lot of the day to day operations for us. And, and we have two employees, so we're we're a pretty small operation for how many people we have. But uh, we're really grateful to have good help, a good management. Now, do you guys only farm peanuts or do you have other crops you do? No, we have, so we grow peanuts are a part, a really critical part of our crop rotation. Uh, we grow sweet corn for fresh market produce. And then we also grow field corn, soybeans. And so that's what we grow in, in rotation with peanuts. And then we actually have a, a pretty significant amount of timber as well. Over half of our land is is in timber, both natural and, and planted timber. So that's, uh, I have a special place in my heart for that too. So peanuts are, are a really critical part of our crop rotation. Now, on the note of peanuts, how have you seen, or even your father has seen, how have peanut allergies impact peanut farmers? One thing that is really interesting that I've learned as I have become more involved with, with under, the peanut industry and just understanding more about peanut allergies and, and talking with my father, you know, when he was growing up, food allergies in general were were not quite as prevalent as they are now. So this is something that seems to be a little bit unique. Mine really being the first generation to have such a prevalent experience with food allergies and seeing how that impacted other people my age. So it's been interesting to hear his perspective and, and see how much has changed just from one generation to the next. As far as, as actually growing peanuts, on one side of that, from the data that, that we've seen through the industry, peanut consumption is at an all-time high. But I do think that the more prevalence of, of peanut allergies has the potential to reduce that consumption in the future. So I think right now we're not seeing an actual impact as far as consumption and production, but we see that there's potential and we also are sensitive to the fact that there is public perception and understanding of the problem. I'll say that m most of the time when, when people discover that a peanut farmer, they are, uh, that's, that's one of the most frequently asked questions is uh, related to peanut allergies and, and just curiosity around that. So uh, there's really this, just this inextricable link between a, the peanut allergy community and the peanut farmers, because obviously um, that's, that's our livelihood and, and something that is um, impacting other people. So that, that's one way I've seen it impacted. Um, but, you know, peanuts are, a really critical part of our economic infrastructure in Georgia. Uh, one thing that I, I want to share is that Georgia, the state of Georgia, actually produces about half of the country's peanuts. 
And um, if you combine the growing regions in, in Alabama and Florida that are not really not too far from, from where we are, uh, it's close to 75% of peanut production. So our, our economy and our, our lifestyle, our culture is really deeply ingrained in peanut production. One history tidbit that I really love is, that, uh, is about George Washington Carver and how he really saved Southern agriculture is the way as a, I know the National Peanut Board always frames it because he did. He introduced peanuts and viable uses of peanuts to uh, Southern agriculture and peanuts are a legume which means they're nitrogen fixing. And they add so many nutrients to the soil and that nitrogen to the soil that we are actually applying less nitrogen in subsequent years. And so that when I said earlier that, you know, peanuts are a really important rotational crop, it's, they add a lot of value and nutrients back into the soil that the next crop can use. And really just from uh, an allergy standpoint, I'm really, really proud to be able to serve as an alternate on the National Peanut Board and something that really strikes me and is, is so incredible to me is that since the formation of the board 20 years ago, peanut farmers through the Peanut Board have contributed $32 million to peanut allergy research, education, and outreach. And so, you know, that's not the only thing that the peanut board does. They also contribute a lot to other types of research, agricultural research and promotion of peanut products. I really get the consensus that the work on allergies over the last 20 years is, is what they're most proud of. And another thing just between the link between peanut allergies and um, peanut producers that, that makes me really proud of, of that work is Peanuts tend to be the, the poster child for food allergies. I know that's the one that's easily recognized. Most people, uh, when they think food allergies, peanuts come to mind uh, most, most often pretty quickly. So, but because of that, there's been a tremendous amount of early research and development focused on peanuts that we really feel like can benefit other food allergies as well. So it, what, I'm, what I'm excited to see is if the work that we've been able to do in peanut allergy research and education and outreach, if that will translate into other allergy communities as well and really impact people who are struggling with different types of food allergies. And then I'm just, that would be uh, such an impactful thing that peanut farmers have really been instrumental in. You know, as a parent of children with multiple food allergies, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I mean, it was really <laughs> exciting to see the early introduction on peanut, but now seeing research spreading into overall food allergies, boy, that is something I wish I knew, what, 19 years ago when my son right. His allergies, yes, but I'm just so happy that this is coming up now, and that's really exciting. 32 million is really a lot of money. I do know that a lot of this money that you and your fellow farmers raised and put into food allergy research was absolutely instrumental in the LEAP study and certain studies. And so I think that must give you a great sense of accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. It just makes me, it, the peanut industry is really special. It feels pretty small, even across the country. It's a specialty crop. And so it's a relatively small industry and it feels like a family. And to know that I'm coming into that industry that has made so much progress and has really laid this foundational steps toward pivotal research that is making changes in people's lives for the better. That just makes me so proud and I'm so excited to see where where that will go in the future. 
So now talking about the future, um, what do you hope to see five years from now with peanut allergies? Five years from now, I really hope to see more awareness around these new guidelines for early introduction. I know that the peanut board and and our partners within the healthcare and allergy advocacy community are, are certainly getting the word out about that, but it would just be so wonderful to see a a new generation of of families and children being able to take the steps to introduce peanuts and and potentially other uh, allergens to their child so that they don't develop this this life-threatening allergy. And that would would be wonderful just to see more uh, understanding and knowledge about early introduction just more even more pervasive than it is. I, I feel like that campaign has really just begun and, and getting the word out to, to parents because the, the guidelines suggested avoidance and other things for so long that, you know, now that there's been this total reversal, it, it will take a little bit of time for, for, the, for it to be really pervasive and, and the understanding and, and everything. It will take some time for that knowledge and understanding to be pervasive throughout uh, for, for parents and, and young families. So I, I really hope that we see in the next five years that that just becomes very common knowledge among uh, parents and, and families. I hope that the research that peanut farmers have been instrumental in directing and funding will also lead to support for other types of food allergies and really developing uh, solutions for, for other people who suffer from, from things other than peanut allergies. I think that would be really wonderful to see. And then, of course, continued uh, research development and treatment options for those who are living with a peanut allergy. I know that we've had some exciting developments uh, with oral immunotherapy and then the new uh, treatment of Talforzia and, and things like that. So I think in the next five years, we'll have so much more information on that. And I hope that in addition to the early introduction guidelines being more pervasive, I really hope that we'll see uh, more treatment options available for those who are living with the allergy currently so that it, so that it really makes a difference in their lives as well. You know, my... Um Children, again, I mentioned earlier, they're 21 and 16. So we've been doing this for 19 years. And I never thought ever we would be in this position where we're talking treatments and early introduction and prevention. It's it's stunning. It's a really exciting time. And thank you for sharing your vision for five years from now. And I, I think we're going to see some really interesting things. So Casey, I just have one more question for you. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Well, absolutely. You know, as I was reflecting on talking with you in our conversation today, I don't have a peanut allergy. I don't have a food allergy and I don't have children. So I know that I can't really understand exactly what, what you know, you have experienced living with allergies and, and how that must feel. Um, but we're all going through a, a bit of a new experience right now with COVID-19. And I do understand how it feels for your the, the health and safety of your loved ones to be a huge concern and how it feels to for there to be an invisible threat that that could potentially harm them and knowing that you're sometimes at the mercy of other people's actions to protect your loved ones against that threat so just thinking about the context of, of where we are right now it made me feel a little bit more understanding of, of what people living with peanut allergies and food allergies have to experience on a daily basis. You know, this really has just put so much in perspective uh, for me on that. And so it's, I understand there's a lot of fear 
Um, but I also just want to share that I'm so encouraged by the progress that we've made. I mean, look, Dory, your personal story, how much has happened to your children growing up from the time they were born to where they are now, how much progress has been made. It's really encouraging and exciting to think about where the research and technology and science will take us in the next 20 years. And so I'm really thankful to be part of the peanut industry and to follow in the footsteps of those farmers that had a collaborative spirit and wanted to help be part of the solution for this problem and recognize the link between uh, peanut production and, and peanut allergies and wanted to be there to help uh, those families that are living with this issue. And I really hope that we will change lives for the better in the future and that kids won't have to grow up with a lifelong threat and a lifelong medical condition. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity today to, to share my story and the perspective of a peanut farmer. I hope this helps shed some light on a little bit about our operation and about peanut production in general. And I really hope that we will continue a positive collaboration going forward and really looking forward to seeing where the research will take us. Well, thank you for that sentiment. It was very heartfelt, but I lied. I actually do have one more question for you. So I heard you met the cookie monster. I think you need (laughs) to share with listeners what that was like to be on Sesame Street and to meet the cookie monster of all people. Oh my goodness. I jokingly say that I have officially peaked in my career because how can you top being on Sesame Street? Um, That was such a special experience and will always just such a treasured memory that I have. A couple of years ago, Sesame Street started a new segment uh, with Cookie Monster and Chef Bonger called Foodie Truck. I love the idea of this because We are so, as a society, we are so disconnected from where our food comes from and understanding uh, how food is made and produced. And so the whole idea behind this segment is to use Cookie Monster and Chef Gonger to make some kind of snack or food and then learn where that food comes from. And so when they were filming for peanut butter, they were doing a segment on peanut butter. They wanted a peanut farmer. And I was the very, very lucky person to be chosen for that. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And it really was just such a highlight and really uh, still something I just, I I love and treasure. And and it's funny. It's definitely that fun fact I like to pull out of, uh, out of the blue when, when I can. The only challenging part is they wanted to film in February and there is not much peanut production going on in February. So we had to be very creative, but it really worked out great. And it turned out really well. So I was extremely thankful for that opportunity. So now here's the real question. Did you bring the cookie monster cookies? Well, you know, I didn't do that on the, so they actually did not bring the, the cookie monster. They spliced us together. So I, they didn't bring him to my farm. If, if they had, I would have given him the best cookies of his life. I had to submit a little audition video. And when I did that, for some reason, my mom had a peanut shaped peanut butter cookie. <laughs> so we used that in the audition video. And I think that had to be what got me in. <laughs> well, of course it did. Well, Casey, it's been a lot of fun speaking to you today. We thank you for your time. We know you're super busy and we hope to be speaking to you again in the future. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes and be sure to connect with us on social media. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.